0: another full house. We're going to be putting the curtains down, I think, next week. We thought maybe not everyone will come back, but uh, we're back, people. We're back in church. So exciting. I just want to share a few, uh, just a few things from uh, from Steve and Bex and Luke and Marilyn. Uh, just, just what's happened during lockdown uh, and how the church has just kind of uh, continued to be a blessing, uh, obviously within our own church community, but much wider than that as well. Um, same time As last year, our giving is exactly the same as it was same time last year. So even through lockdown, the faithfulness and the generosity, God has just continued to uh, just just pour out his blessing as a result of that. On top of that, we've also seen 80,000 given to our COVID relief fund. So these are people given over and above to support those. I know some businesses said actually our businesses thrived during lockdown. And so we want to give what God has blessed us with to bless other people. And this is what community is about. You know, that we're blessed to be a blessing, that we actually can have an impact on somebody else's world by, by sharing generously what God has given us. But what, what was also awesome is that we were able to give $120,000 over this last period, um, just the last couple of months, to our mission partners in India, uh, Pakistan, struggling. Um, and we're finding now, actually, a lot of those countries now, uh, if, if, if you're watching what's happening in some of these countries, they're, they're actually in serious trouble now. You know, we're we're probably all getting back to normal and just just pretending. You know, it's like, hey, yeah, it's great, but but there's some countries in real real challenges. You know, with uh, with the coronavirus and and so a lot of them now are feeling the effects of it, which we were feeling, they're feeling the effects of it now, and it'll be a whole lot more than that. I saw a photo of of a ferry in Bangladesh with probably 3,000 people squeezed onto this ferry. There was there was no social distancing. It was just shoulder to shoulder. And, and that's the reality in some nations. And so uh, please continue to pray. But uh, amazing, we're able to help in those different ways. And also um, through Christian Savings, which is an organization that, that helps churches um, to be able to, uh, to, to borrow, to, to you know, um, build buildings and uh, things like that. Uh, we've been able to give to uh, Christian Savings quite a significant amount of money that's allowed us to bless other Eland churches. So some other Eland churches that struggled during this time. We were able to be a part of uh, seeing them kind of get through some of the tough times as well. So come on, why don't you give yourself a hand, give God some glory, some praise for your faithfulness, for giving to God. Well, we finished our series, letters from lockdown. But if it's okay, I'm going to take another week in Philippians because there's a message that uh, really felt like God's been uh, stirring in my heart, and I I just want to share it this morning. So uh, we're we're going to with, and uh, we'll see where we go from there. Let me pray as we begin this morning. Father, thank you for our path. God, I thank you that, uh, Lord, we see the darkness. We see what's happening in our world. But we thank you that, Lord, the light penetrates the darkness. Lord, when the light arrives, the darkness flees. And so, God, we thank you that we get to be a light in a dark world. Lord, help us to, uh, to, to, to learn and understand your words so that it can make a difference in the way we live our lives so that others would look at us and they would see even a little bit of you, Jesus, in us. And Lord, our goal, our desire is to become more and more like you. So Lord, change us, shape us, mold us. We give you permission today to learn, to grow, to become more like you, to surrender our lives to you and your will for us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, last week I I had a Zoom call uh, with an Irish couple, a young couple, 24 and 23, living in Ireland. And uh, they they contacted Elam New Zealand saying, uh, maybe learn and glean and kind of grow a little bit, um, had this desire to come to New Zealand, but didn't know where. And so they contacted uh, Elam Leadership College and uh, Hayley Barrett, the principal, we've heard her preach over the last, uh, during lockdown, amazing communicator. And uh, and so she, they, they asked, where, where could we go? And she thought, well, why not day? And I thought, well, that sounds great to me. So, uh, so I was given the details, didn't know anything about this guy, um, didn't know any of his background, his history. Uh, so we arranged for the Zoom call. And then uh, so, so we set up, and, and as soon as I saw his face appear on the screen, I was just like, wow, that is God. That is so God. Now, it may or may not have had anything to do with the fact that he was wearing a Liverpool shirt. <laughs> In fact, that was the very first thing I said. Well, if this isn't God, then <laughs> and, and we chatted probably the first 10 minutes. Okay, if, you visit, if you're here and you're new for the first time, just get used to it. This is a part of who I am. Okay, I celebrate. I have mourned with Liverpool for 29 years and two more games and it's ours. We might get the title finally. Yeah, I know you don't care, but it's okay. Love me anyway. Love me anyway. And so, so we were we were chatting, and uh, we had this great conversation. I think the first ten minutes we didn't even introduce each other. You know, it wasn't even hi, I'm Mike. And, you know, hi, I'm Gareth. It was just we just talked football for ten minutes. And we, were like, oh, by the way, I'm Mike. And you know. and so, so we had this conversation, and and it was I just come back and said yes, we're keen. So, um, so we might actually set up even a little bit of a Facebook Live. We might just do a little interview one day, and anyone can jump on and say hi. Um, but they're quite keen to come over if we can kind of get through quarantine and all of those kind of things over this next season. But uh, really, really exciting. But I, I finished the conversation, and I, and I thought, you know what? I prejudged this guy based on the shirt he was wearing. I assumed that he's going to be a great godly man because he was wearing a Liverpool shirt. Now, being from Northern Ireland, there, there, there are kind of two key teams you would support, either Liverpool or Manchester United. Now, if he'd been wearing a Manchester United shirt, would it have been any different? Would, there, would that conversation have gone differently? Now, some of you are thinking you are heavily prejudiced, Mike, towards anything Liverpool. But that's not true. I, I employed Jaden Hatch, who is a Chelsea supporter. Our love is deep and wide, even if we don't support the same football team. We love each other because there's a deeper love than that. But, but I realized that there was actually a prejudging that went on. I'd already kind of predetermined how I thought I might respond or react to him based on what he was wearing, and I thought about my own prejudice and things that go beyond a football shirt, about the moments I've looked at somebody and I've already predetermined whether or not they are a person I want to spend time with, whether it's a value to me. And I realize that prejudice is in all of us, positive and negative. The word prejudice means preconceived opinion that is not based on reason or actual experience. And I'm not talking about right now that are horrific, pure evil, hatred, the the result of sin in our world, and people making horrible decisions. I don't want to go into that today, but I want to talk about that in each of us, we have the ability to prejudge somebody and that our prejudice can affect the way we love and the way we treat people. And it's a problem that I know is in my life and, and maybe it's in yours as well. And that if we could lay down our prejudice, what would happen in our own nation? What would happen in the nations of the world if we would love as Jesus has asked us to love? So would you, would you be brave enough to to go on a journey of discovering the power of our prejudice and uh, how it could work and uh, what it would look like. Because in reality, we can prejudge someone based on the color of the shirt they wear, the food they eat, the way they eat their food, you know, those mouth-open chewers, yeah? The way they smell, the car they drive, their profession, their possessions, where they live, right through to the worst prejudice and racism that we see that breaks the heart of the father which is where we prejudge someone based on the color of their skin and I understand we live in a world that's on fire at the moment it's a sensitive topic and the purpose for me today is not to bring my opinion or my comments purpose today is to recognize that we're all capable of horrible evil of prejudice of self-healing in our own relationships and in our own land that there needs to be something that, that happens within my heart. If I can start with my heart and my relationship with Jesus, then maybe, just maybe, I could extend love of Christ to somebody else. What could that look like? See, prejudice can be blatant. Prejudice can be intentional. Sometimes it can also be subtle. Sometimes I might not give anybody the words that might come across as prejudice, but I might hold back 100%, which is what I should be giving. I might give 60% or 70% because you know what? I'm not sure I want to give everything in this relationship with you. So our prejudice can determine how we love one another. I love children. I think that's why Jesus said, let the little kids come to me. They get the kingdom of heaven. They understand it. I love little children because they don't care how rich or poor their friends are. They don't care what nation they're from. They don't care which neighborhood they grew up in. They don't even care about the color of the skin of their friends. My five-year-old daughter, Zoe, her, her circle of friends includes Maori, South African, South American, Kiwis. And she, she's not I mean, if I was to ask her, "What ethnicity, what nationality are your friends?" Huh? Now she might be able to tell me that the, the skin color might be darker or lighter than her. She might be able to say that they've that, that got brown eyes or blue eyes or, or, or hazel, M- might be able to say got brown. So she could say all of that, but actually that stuff doesn't even matter to her. The stuff that we, we, we allow to become prejudice actually doesn't matter to a child. She chooses her friends on a higher value system than many of us as adults. Are they kind to her? And does she enjoy playing with them? Can I let a little five-year-old's value system preach to us this morning? If my five-year-old daughter... Can find people internationally across the globe and find agreement and find connection and find a relationship, and it doesn't matter what they look like or where they came from. Is it possible that we could find that in our own hearts and relationship with other people? Sadly, this isn't our our world. You know, I want to I, I want to get to a place where actually there's a there's a positive prejudice. What do I mean by that? I want to prejudge you before I get to know you. I want to assume the best about you. I want to meet someone for the very first time and go, you are awesome. You're going to be incredible. You're going to be amazing. I can't wait to see what value you might add to my life and what value I could add to you. Imagine if our response thing, but a positive thing that would actually say, I believe that you could be a great person, that you are a great person, and that, that together we're going to be better by knowing each other. Imagine living with a positive prejudice, prejudging someone not based on what they've done for us yet. Sadly, this isn't our world. We're watching as the world and social media is blowing up with heated arguments around racism and prejudice. And I want to say some of the anger and the pain is understandable. The, the experiences are real and they are unacceptable. For many, it's not just prejudice, it's straight up racism and bigotry. And I agree wholeheartedly that It's unacceptable to treat anyone differently because of the color of their skin. There is nothing about that that is right. And everything we see flies in the face of this popular opinion that says there's good in all of us, because there isn't. We all suffer from the same condition. It's called sin. Sin is evil. Sin is destructive. Sin destroys everything it touches. And when we are aware of the fact that we need a Savior who would save us from our sins, that is where healing starts. They start to play in it by, God, please forgive me, I was wrong. So we're looking at this passage in Philippians. But I just want to check that we're all on the same page, that maybe we could all recognize that maybe there is prejudice in some of us. Let me just ask a couple of questions. We'll just see whether we're, we're all in this together. Have I ever prejudged someone who lives in Auckland? Just another fantastic Aucklander. (laughs) Wow, that was enlightening. I could probably just stop at that. (laughs) Or England, or South Africa, or New Zealand, or Australia. Have I ever prejudged someone because of the sports team they support? Have I ever prejudged someone for the political party they might align themselves with? Have I ever prejudged someone when on a call center and their language is not English as a first language? Have I ever prejudged someone and tried to avoid having a talk with them and avoid eye contact because of the way they look or maybe the way they smell? Have I ever prejudged someone driving a vehicle flasher than mine? Have I ever prejudged or written someone off because they're not in the same generation as me? Have I ever prejudged someone based on the color of their hair, their eyes, or their skin? Any perform form there? So how does this prejudice creep into our lives? How does it become something that we then have to deal with? Well, a couple of thoughts. Number one is our upbringing. You know, our children are sponges. They soak up everything. I mean, our, our youngest two, five, and seven—they're not really interested in an in adult conversation. They're quite happy to play Lego, and as long as mum and dad are talking, then they don't have to do chores, so they're happy. They just go and do their thing. Our 11-year-old, on the other hand, Rosie—she's learning how to adult. You know, she's she's trying to work out how this whole thing works, and so she chips in on conversations that she shouldn't. But she's also picking up. She's learning and growing and her prejudice, positive or negative, based on what mum and dad say. Ouch. What are we teaching her? What is she hearing? What is she learning? What does she learn about the church? What does she learn about our relationships with the people that we... It can be quite scary, possibly, to think about the upbringing of our children. I, 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 was, uh, I lived in... Born in Greymouth, but then mum and dad moved up to Whangarei, and uh, we lived in Raumanga. We were in Murdoch Crescent come on, there's a couple of people in Murdoch Crescent from here, whoop, whoop, um, and uh, I went to Romanga Primary School, I uh, a, saw a photo of, uh, I think, my fifth birthday, um, probably only 30 years ago, 35, 36, 30, 37 years ago, I was doing a lecture the other day, and uh, and I, I said, right, I'm finally going to admit it, I am a middle-aged man, Yeah, you know, I'm a middle-aged man, I'm 42, that must be in the middle of it somewhere, so... I finally accepted it. I'm I'm embracing being a middle-aged man. Come on, it's fantastic. So anyway, I saw this photo of of, of us as kids and it was like half Māori, half Pākehā. There weren't too many other nationalities going back 35 years in in Whangarei. But I looked at it and they were just my friends. It wasn't about the colour of skin. It wasn't anything like that. We were just friends because we were friends, because we found that common agreement. The other thing that can and affect and influence our prejudice is our experience. Because sometimes our experiences, the things that have happened to us, will create a memory. Someone of a particular type of person, or whatever it is, does something, and then maybe someone who's like them makes that same, and then all of a sudden we have built a prejudice based on maybe one or two or three experiences, lumping everybody into that same category. And so sometimes our experience can affect our prejudice, but ultimately it's our sinful nature. That's what causes us to respond with prejudice. So recognizing this prejudice in all of us, it's important we understand this passage in Philippians. See, Paul was clearly aware of the tensions between Jews and Gentiles, Greeks and Romans. Even though they were committing their lives to Christ, there were still divisions of race and culture, male and female. Paul was saying to the people in Philippi, if you're encouraged and comforted by being united in Christ, if being connected to Him matters to you, Then make a commitment to address the prejudice with prejudice. Well, this is what Paul says, and he gives us some amazing things that we can consider. Verse 1, make my joy complete, he says, by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Paul's saying, I want you to be in unity. I I want you to have the same love for each other. Not striving to be the greatest or the best, but but this love that would bring us together. And then he gives us some really just amazing pointers or tips or or ways of living. His first one, he says, do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Quick heart check. How do I position myself with, with conversations with people? You know, when I go into a conversation, am I going in there selfishly thinking, well, I wonder what I can get out of them? Am I going in there to add value to them or am I trying to work out what I can get from them? Really good question to ask ourselves. The second area is value others above yourselves. Another heart check in our business dealings. Am I trying to make a buck at the expense of a relationship? Am I trying to push somebody aside so that I can advance? Am I dealing with people valuing others above ourselves? Do I look at other human beings and and, and try and find out where I'm ranked and worth and value? At least I'm not as... It's a dangerous line, isn't it? Or maybe I'm not as myself. And then, thirdly, consider others' needs first. We've got a little rule in our house. I picked it up from some other parent that says one cuts the cake and the other chooses which piece they take. It solves all parent issues. That piece was bigger than mine. Well, you cut it; they choose it. So one cuts and the other chooses. So. if, you know, the person who's cutting, they are going to make sure that that is a straight line, that those two pieces are identical in size and portion. And so every now and then they cut and they don't quite cut right. And, and there's clearly a smaller piece and clearly a bigger piece. And you can see the face just drop. It's like, ugh. Now, the other day, one of my children surprised us. It was just like this, this moment. Zoe sees the bigger piece sees a smaller piece and says, JJ, you have the bigger piece. I'm like, oh, oh my goodness, she valued Josiah over herself. But, but, but what an impact that had. What an impact it has when we, when we say, no, 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 you first. As I'm driving behind a car and somebody sneaks into my car space after you. Come on, nudge your husband. (laughs) Give your husband a nudge. No need for road rage. No need to get upset. After you, after you, I'll consider your needs. I'll I'll get there about two seconds behind you, and I will pray for your salvation as we drive together. (laughs) Shaka maho. We need, sometimes, what did Jesus do? 2 Corinthians 5.21, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Romans 5.8, God demonstrated his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. We didn't deserve it. I did not deserve the entitlement of being a child of God. I didn't deserve to be forgiven, and yet he forgave me. So please, God, I don't ever want to think that my position in Christ is something that I can get excited about or get proud about. As as though my, my ranking, all our righteous acts are like filthy rags, the Bible tells us. Every attempt to do something in our own strength is like filthy rags, the Bible tells us. Like grave clothes. And yet it's the righteousness of Christ, that's what makes us right with God. Paul goes on, and as the team come this morning, he, he, he teaches us the, the mindset, the attitude of what it, what it looks like and, and what it feels like to live a life that puts others first. He says in verse, verse 5, in your relationship with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Sometimes we need to be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We need God to help us think right again who being in very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Jesus didn't take advantage of the fact that he was God. He did not take his God privilege and put it on us. In fact, he he did the very opposite. Still being fully human, fully God, there was no less power in him. But it was a choice that says, I will humble myself. I will humble myself. Rather, verse 7, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, and he modeled this. He didn't just preach it. He talked about serving one another. And then he got down on his knees and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he washed the feet of his disciples and says, go and do the same. Go and serve humanity with the, with these acts of service, lives. And if you smell my smelly feet, it's not a great job, but it is because it's the greatest calling we could ever have, is to love and serve another human being. I just think there's some people in um, in, in, in healthcare. Oh, I want to honor some people in healthcare today. I just I just feel like there's some people going. I, I don't I don't even know why I do what I do i got to deal with soil bed clothes. I've got, I got to wash people. i got to deal with the stench, the smell. I, I just want to say, you are loving Jesus every time you care for that person. I want to honor you. I want to honor what you do. I just, I just feel like there's someone today that needs to hear that, that what you do is truly, truly making a difference. It's the greatest thing you could be doing, and you're doing it. Verse 8. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself. And here's the unbelievable part of Jesus going to the cross. Not only did he die on the cross, but before he was crucified, he says, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing, they have no idea what they're doing. His heart, forgiveness for those that would persecute him. He set an example for each of us who have been maligned been abused, who've been unfairly treated, who've been judged, who've been ignored, treated badly. He's, he said, forgive them, forgive them. So how do we gain the mind of Christ? First, we have to die to self. When I die to my right to be right, see, when we become a Christian, we, we give away our rights. We give away our rights to be offended. We give our rights for give away our rights for promotion and all of these things that we think we deserve and we're entitled to, we give that all away. Why? Because the greatest goal in the Christian life and and, and the true Christian life is that I am dead. I'm dead, I'm dead in this life because there's a resurrection for the next life. This is what Paul says, I have been crucified with Christ and I no longer live. But Christ lives in me. You want to talk about power? You want to talk about change? You want to talk about transformation in a community? It's when we say and we accept I have been crucified in Christ and it's no longer me living, but it's Christ living in me. His power, His strength, His forgiveness. What about justice? What about fighting for what is right? I'm not saying we don't it's wrong. I'm not saying we don't, we don't, we don't put our voice to the narrative. What I am saying is that love is the strongest force on this planet. It can change, it can transform. Jesus forgave those who crucified him, the ultimate act of forgiveness. And listen what happens. Verse 9 of Philippians. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue. Acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. I think we could give God some praise because that is the result. That is the result of God. Humbling himself. Jesus, the name above every other name. Friends, in our own nation, we have so much work to do. So much that needs to take place in this nation. But the work is not our work, it's the work of the cross. That's the work that has been done. That's the work. If we would surrender to the work of the cross, things will change. Things will turn around. See, we need to talk. We need to have the conversations that might hurt a little bit. We need to listen. We need to hear the stories of the narrative of our nation. We need to engage in those conversations. We need to learn the history because we're we're all building a part of it. We're all creating a future for for the future generations that will come after us. And ultimately, we we need a Savior. We need a Savior. That's it. We need a Savior. His name is Jesus. Every sin, every demon, every principality will bow to the name of Jesus. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what you've done. It doesn't matter how far you think you are from God. Jesus says, I died for you. I gave my life so that you can have freedom. I did what you can't do. I paid the price you couldn't afford to pay. That's Jesus, my friends. And right now, I want to give that invitation for anyone. No matter where you are, no matter what's going on in your world. If you know you need right now, this moment is for you. In a moment, we're going to have the band minister to us with a beautiful song. To consider in our own hearts where we find ourselves. But if you're here today and you know you need to get your life right with God, full and final, He will forgive you of your sins. He will give you a new life, a brand new start. With every head bowed, every eye closed, would you pray a prayer asking God to forgive you of the sin that separated you from Him? He'll forgive you. He'll give you a new life, a future and a hope, and a purpose through the cross Jesus made a way for us to be right with the Father would you pray with me Heavenly Father thank you for your love for me thank you that you sent Jesus to die on the cross for my sins thank you Jesus that you didn't have to but you chose to so I choose today To bow my knee. Ask you to forgive me. I turn from my old way of living. Make me brand new. In Jesus' name. With every head bowed, every eye closed. If you pray that prayer for the first time, maybe you've been away from God and God's drawn you back here today. We don't want to embarrass you, but we do want to help you take your next step. And we want to know who you are. So with every head bowed, eye closed. If that's you, why don't you just slip your hand up. Just make eye contact with me. Just say, yeah, that was me. I prayed that prayer. You're someone that's going to come and connect with you after the service. Thank you, Lord. want us to respond by, by hearing the song and by, by responding ourselves. Psalm 139, 23 to 24, it says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. As a team minister this morning, if you know there's prejudice in your heart that you need to surrender to God, I'd love to invite you to come. Just come and kneel at the front. You can stand, you can sit. You can stay in your seat. You don't have to move anywhere. But sometimes there's an act that we need to take in order to say, God, I'm I'm serious about this. So as a minister, please feel free to come. In the name of your the service. To here, Keet Rangi, To here, Keet Fenua, To here, Keet and Akar.